It's every time. Every time. I don't get it. Or if you Google it, you'll find people. Oh, I am a thousand percent certain because I know I've I've heard Tim Rogers and a bunch of other people that stream talk about their audio problems. And JJ and I were talking the other day about how video is just like completely sorted out and there's exact figures of what you should do and how you do it and the settings all work perfectly. And audio is just like I don't know, man. Buy buy a couple thousand dollar things and see if they work. I think also the issue with, well, on the software side, the issue with audio is that because there are no good solutions for all that stuff, you just end up with like a bunch of ramshackle solutions that like don't work for every case. And when you start trying to bring in other pieces of hardware, you make life even harder, right? Like, oh, your computer has multiple microphones. Windows is friggin' confused. It like cannot deal and therefore freaks out all the time. Yeah, there's and, a microphone built into your camera. Well, that's not the same as the other microphone. And also, you have a stream deck that counts as a microphone. And yeah, that's and the stuff that it all, Windows is just like lost always. You're, you're running it all through virtual cables on voice meter. Yeah, that's the stuff that you will never like. You can't sort that out because the software isn't sorted out because Windows isn't sorted out. I really wish they would look at the problem one day and just be like, you know. Windows would be better off if everyone could just do all the things from Windows that they want to do and they just spent a little bit more money, you know? Yeah. I know that it costs lots and lots and lots of money to develop Windows. I know. And it's not fair to ask them to do that, but... I think the bigger problem with it is that even if they did come up with the solution, it would require you to like opt into something and then all (laughs) the old ones would be like, no. And so then (laughs) it still wouldn't work. Right. You've now just, ah, you've created a format that solves all the problems of all the previous formats. No one adopts your format. You have now just made the problem worse. Right. It's like the literal problem with video codecs and stuff too is the same. to hear your voice again jj we can actually get going and not include all of that in the podcast because i'm sure it's boring so instead we just say the ad is over the battle will now begin (laughs) (laughs) geez yeah i know right that was a pretty good uh segue to welcoming you back hello hello hi michael michael's here hello uh i'm i'm good yeah yeah, this is Andy, and I'm good. Uh, since we had it, should should we take a quick count of how people are doing in Champions of the Continent? Since sure. that was our intro. Yeah, quick, quick uh, check-in. I think, yeah, let's limit it to like two minutes apiece. JJ, did you play okay. it a lot on the plane? Uh, no, not on the plane at all, right? Because you have to have internet connection. Yep. Mm, um, that but, is a problem. you know... They're on, you know, on on a bus that's driving around the hours on a freeway. That's an okay time. (laughs) That's true. Um, So I got through. I'm up to chapter eight of Master of All, uh, and I I fought the boss one time and got whooped. uh, And I was like, all right, well, that was good. Now I can go deal with all this. Like, I knew there's a bunch of stuff that's missable in that dungeon, so I was starting to run around and look for that stuff and try and collect it. 
I'll probably end up fighting 100 soldiers before I beat that boss anyway. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Do you think that you're going to have to like go back and re-level people and get ready? Um uh I probably need to mess I, I probably need to like spend some actual time and like do gear. I haven't really done like optimized anyone's gear in any direction. Um like go through and like find all the people who have the best stuff on all my parties and take them off and like make one good super party with all my best stuff. Um, yeah, that's the way to do it. And then probably also spend a little bit of time of like, okay, what are the actual weaknesses of this boss? And like, who should go where? And like, do do some actual strategic planning because I've just like had people sort of lined up wherever kind of willy-nilly a little bit. Um, and it's probably time to like buckle down and like, okay, need to make like a real battle plan here because you're going to kind of do some stuff uh, in that fight and I've not been doing stuff. So more than just like who can hit as many times as possible to break the shields on these random Kates. Like I just need like actual characters that do real work. Yeah. I have run into, I'll take my two minutes. I've yeah, run into, uh, I, I spent a lot on the most recent, uh, gotcha step up. And then afterwards, I actually pulled against the regular pull just to get enough uh, shards to get uh, some of those level up berries. Yeah. <sighs> My luck is roughly that I have three, three, five stars and two of them. I have now pulled twice, right? Because I have uh, an awakening for two of my three. So that's my current level of luck in that. But I did end up pulling basically four out of eight of the characters of, of a new, more balanced, better four-star backup team instead of the three-and-a-half-star backup team for the these guys that I had before. Um, so now I've unfortunately busted my uh, all-double-X uh, chromosome team up for the, for the time being until I get some of these class-up items that I am never apparently going to get from a hunt. Do you, Are they more common, higher-level because no. that's Dude, ridiculous. No, it's just, it's, it's a straight, it's a straight yeah. half percent. It's, oh my God. I will, I will say the higher level ones though, do give significantly more experience. So mm-hmm. you're not wasting your time doing the harder ones. Well, I am yeah. wasting my time because if I keep taking these people to try and get, um, guide stones for them while they're max leveled all the time, I'm just wait. you know, like three of these people are just sitting there max level. I just can't. Ex- Experience is not the thing you should be after from hunts. Right. It's the class-up item, right? It's the class-up item and then guide stones. Yeah. Ugh. It just feels real bad when you see 50,000 on the screen and you're like, well, that's all gone to waste. <laughs> but uh, I did get Fjord to 71, and that means uh, maybe I'll actually see the 100,000 Kate once in a while. Maybe deal. It's the, I think the percentages are like 55, 45 and no 55, 40 and five. Okay. 5% of the time. I'll take it. Well, no, the 5% of the time, once you hit 71 is the 300 one. 300. I have yet to yeah. see a 100. So you, it, with a character at 71, you should be seeing 50, 100, and the rare 300. Oh, so it'll bump all my Kates up a level, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, I, you, you shift see. the percentages to the next higher row of buckets. 
I see. And there's no higher row of buckets than that, I assume. There is in Japan, but I think it only came out recently. There's a 450. Yeah, I, I noticed my uh, my experience bucket for my level 71 is now 500,000. It barely moves after anything. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're good. You're going to be moot. Even with the 100,000 ones, it's going to be a long time between level ups now. Yeah. Um, so actually I've, I've taken a step back from master of all, I'm still in chapter four of it and, uh, I'm just running around doing some of those three star stories in order to get guide stones for the three stars and, um, get some of them to 45 so that, um, I, one of my hunts, I don't have a 500 team for, and I need to get some of the three stars up to do that. So, yep. Yep. Um, that's my current side thing. I do it before bed. I'm still trying my best to get to bed on time it's hard to do when you have a game you want to play and cobra kai season five to get through but uh yeah. you only have cobra kai season five to get through i mean i have tons Bro, of other I have, buddy i have like seven tv shows no there's on. oh there's <laughs> way more than, than just that but like you go the we talked about this last week uh the nerd queue is long and you just have to prioritize yeah that's the show of the moment there will be another one as soon as this one's done. It's only 10 half hour episodes, so I'm I'm literally going to finish it tonight. Uh very nice. likely. Man, that show's great and they announced the movie in that universe, not in the Jade, Jaden Smith universe. Oh, very cool. Yes. Yes, Michael, your 2 minutes are up. Yeah, up. Um, you're, you're on the clock is what I mean, not <laughs> like I wasted them. <laughs> thanks a lot yeah. um much like uh much like dr strange i am in the end game now um so i Did have you finished watch multiverse of madness is that what you're telling no me? not yet oh. I, w- I wish i could tell you that but not yet buddy um, i was gonna say i watched that i'm looking forward to it uh but no i have finished all the story content at this point and i have finished all of the available traveler side quests Whoa. So at this point, um, I and I what uh, I assume none of us are going to be able to get our apps open in the next five minutes. But I'm just there's curious so many. You, there must be so many. I'm I'm just mostly curious what his playtime is at this point because uh, I think it's pushing 160. Okay, so you're double my playtime. Yeah, I'm at 82. Yeah, because I put in I put in a, I put in uh, a lot of in time the party, party menu. Me- on the bottom left, under your band name, so mine says Hateful Eight, and then under that it says eighty two twenty five forty seven forty eight forty nine. I'll try and find it. Okay, yeah, we get it, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't have a team yet that is quite good enough to tackle the last couple of fights of Tequilin. the Teakin Cup. Okay. Uh, I could probably, I could probably take on the semifinal boss. Um, but I, I don't think I quite have a team that's a high enough level slash high enough awakening to take on Tiki Lin herself. Uh, so I'm other than doing the dailies, um, I have, I put in a little bit of time, um, doing some of the hundred enemies of X type that I was closer to finishing. Um, and then I have beaten each of the, the level 85, um, battle tested fights at least once. Um, two of them I can them like four times each, right? Well, probably it's it's more than that because the, the weapon that they drop is only guaranteed on the first fight. Oh, and then it's 50%. It's like 10%. (laughs) 
And so, you need those weapons for like materials uh, later in the game, right? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, two of them I can beat consistently. Um, one of them is every time. One of them is every time. So long as it doesn't use a knockout move on turn one. Uh, and then the other two I have only beaten once each. Oof. Well, uh, there's your COTC update. Michael has beaten Uh, the game. (laughs) My playtime is 52 hours something. Oh, wow. You're really mainlining. Yeah, I have tons of traveler stories I haven't touched. Yeah. Um, yeah, just and like I haven't done almost any of the like I flee from tons of normal fights. Like I don't. Yeah. Oh, I fight all the normal fights because of yep. the hundred enemy type thing. Yeah, in the the highest level area that I'm at, I'll do the fights just because materials for armor and stuff. But mm-hmm. in like on my way there or other places, just like nope, 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 nope. Fair. That's fair. I mean, um, if you start doing the traveler stories, that also will help you with the hundreds of enemies because unless you end up with some of them, like what was it? Telly's story in Emberglow where it's literally like walk to one end of Emberglow, walk back to the other end of Emberglow. Yeah. Walk back to the <laughs> other end of Emberglow, walk back to the other end of Emberglow, walk back to the other end of Emberglow. <laughs> I did see today on the internet. Someone was like, Hey, that achievement you can't do for killing soldiers or whatever from the castle that closes one of the traveler stories has a fight against some of those soldiers. And if you fight it, kill those soldiers and then lose, you can reset the fight and get the achievement that way. It's your most horrible grind possible. Oh, two at a time. No, don't, don't do that. I'm just going to say that the soldiers come back much later. They, that is the one thing that is, will be accessible later that we lose access to now. Okay. Well, there's your COTC minute, and since Michael's up, Michael, food. We have to get back to our main thing that brings people to the podcast. We got to talk about some food. Food. Uh, So this one, this one is is food, but it's it's kind of the food service industry more than it is any sort of food crime, and that is if you are. A restaurant, um, and I think this this mostly applies to um, fast food and fast casual places. Maybe, just maybe, you don't all need your own app. What would they do instead of having their own app, dude? Uh, I mean, they could do what a lot of them did before, which is buy into one of the uh, generic programs like Five Stars. Michael. Or you can order off the website like Michael, everybody started doing during COVID. Michael, you have to have your own app so that you can have your own NFTs and crypto for buying their food. See, also, you're just, so you're you making can my steal case for everyone's me. personal information and yes. sell it yourself uh-huh. rather than collecting it through other people. Right. How will we know how many double crunch chili nacho tacos that you ordered per year and how many they should continue to make i saw something that was that was really clever over the weekend in line with the stealing your information which is when you sign up for a service so say you download the wendy's app when you download enter your name as andrew wendy's (laughs) so that when your information gets stolen and you get a random email 
address you as Mr. Wendy's, you'll know which company to reach out to and complain about their data. Genius. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, people have been doing this for years in like every website and every app and everything they download with different names. And yeah, it, it completely works. You can totally tell all the places that sell your stuff because you'll wow. just get like emails and random things addressed to, you know, so-and-so and you're I like, know, Mr. Target. Yeah. I know that I don't really need to pay attention if somebody in an email calls me, calls me Andrew. Yeah. You know? Unless it's the government. Sure. They don't Even send emails. I try they not send to, letters yeah, and they send people to your house. Your also true. <laughs> yeah, it's also true. They don't send emails. That's fair. I have to say, I don't... I think if you're going to provide an app, it should provide a high value. So I use the, I eat on, you know, people can say what they want. Chipotle may or may not be a good source of food. I don't know. Um, I find it to be fine. And uh, we eat there often because it's convenient. Not often. I don't know. What's once every two months, you know, I guess that might be often. Um, Regularly. Yeah. Regularly enough. But it's really nice to be able to touch that app, push one button to put the same order I had last time into the cart, push another button to pay for it and have it be ready at the place by me. And if on occasion I have rewards, which they have started doing, uh, let them auto populate and apply them. Oh, hey, by the way, uh, specifically for Chipotle, online orders get less food. Oh, I'm sure they that's do. like. It's like confirmed by the employees. They say like we're we're told to give smaller portions to all online orders. Okay. It's like okay. I mean, sometimes that's fine though. Like if I get a yeah, bowl, like, I don't need the not, giant like heaping piles not, of cheese not, and sour cream. Not telling you that it's bad. I'm just the saying burrito it's, is like, plenty large by the employees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I still can't finish it. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Uh. So I don't know. You know. Most of the time, I don't want to be in... I don't like being in places with people for very long these days. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, generally, those restaurants are not, like, exciting places to be, even if, you know, public health wasn't a concern. It's just like, oh, yes, the place I want to be is sitting in this Burger King. That's where I want to be. No. Mm -hmm. Like, never is that been said by anyone. Yeah. Except maybe a child. Well... Do distilleries now have their own apps, JJ? Uh, I mean, I can't count it out. I don't. I didn't. I didn't encounter any apps as part of this <laughs> tour that, that I was on. But I can't say that that's not possible. Okay. Uh, I, uh, okay. Then I have a better question. Mm-hmm. How many copper stills did you see? Oh, so many, dude! All of them are made of copper. Like it's not even a thing. Like every still, even the like small ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and including the ones that are multiple stories high. Yeah. Nice. Also, also copper. Yeah. Nice. Um, I did, I will say, uh, speaking on the technology front, um, when we went to Buffalo trace, uh, they have like a, a wristband system and like it, they scan your wristbands to like verify that you haven't purchased alcohol from them recently. And like, they're, they're trying to fight the, the hoarders and stuff like, Oh, wow. Like yeah. to prevent people. You can't, if you how does how ha- would they prevent 
hoarding. They check your they check your driver's license and okay. then against their database and they yeah. give you a wristband. And the and wristband is forever? Have, no, the wristband is for that day. Oh, okay. Um but if you have bought from them recently, your name is going to be in the database with the driver's license that you have to give them. Okay. And if you're there, they won't give you the wristband and then you won't be able to buy anything. Oh. Interesting. Uh, who, okay, so that's not true, right? They have a public store. You can go in and buy from that. But the, like, exclusive stuff or the stuff that's harder to get uh, is is gated behind a wristband. And then they have <laughs> – the way the guide explained it is they have a, uh, a whiskey fairy comes every day and changes the random selection of stuff that you are able to purchase, like the exclusive stuff, essentially. So right? that you never can know what's in the store – and plan on being there for a release of X thing. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And uh, it will be, who knows, right? The day we were there, it was Eagle Rare. Um, great bourbon. Nothing bad to say about Eagle Rare. But also available in lots of places. And not uh, not impossible to get, but not uh, hard to get, I feel. Um, okay. Also a, gr- a great price. Uh, Eagle Rare. Good stuff. Um, but they say, like, they put everything out there. You could get Blanton's. Uh, you could get the, uh, what is it, George Stag or whatever? Blanton's is great. Oh. I liked Blanton's when I had it last. Is it hard to get so, now? Yes. Oh. It, everything is hard to get now <laughs> is the answer. Oh, that's a bummer. Um, I shouldn't have finished my Blanton's. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make it finish it because you enjoy drinking it, then that's the whole point of the thing. So, you know, but yeah, yeah. getting Blanton's is hard. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Um, but you know, all that stuff is, um, is interesting. Right. And so they have like, they're doing that. Um, of the other distilleries we went to did not seem to have that compunction or that level of technology involved, but also they weren't really selling the highest end stuff like to the people on the floor, you know? So I guess, did you learn what's happening in the business currently and in at large and whether or not we're in for... Yeah, less yeah, speculation I mean, well, and and avail more availability. Like, so I mean, so we didn't talk about is, it before the podcast, but you know, uh, so yeah, sure. So a lot I of mean, that that's dropping out. All the Pokemon card speculators have started to lose money finally. Sure, and I mean, what happened is whiskey and bourbon in particular got incredibly popular during and the pandemic. not just he, uh, no. Is for the past like 10 years, it has started yeah. gotten steadily more and more popular and here in America, but also overseas and China. in tons of different markets. Yep. China, Japan is Japan, huge. It's popular in Europe in lots of places. The Middle East, Africa, everywhere is buying bourbon and bourbon can only be made in America. Like champagne, right? Yes. Well, you can only Other be places- making it in Bourbon County. No, not yes. true. What? No, not true. Bourbon mm. can be made anywhere in America as long as you follow the specific set of rules. Uh, you can make bourbon in Tennessee. You can make bourbon in Chicago. You can make bourbon wherever you want. Uh, it does not have to be made in Kentucky, though the people from Kentucky will tell you it is made best in Kentucky. Oh, of course they will. Okay. However, but it, it also places, has to be made specifically from mostly corn also right uh yes 51 percent corn okay. required uh and then the other stuff can kind of be whatever you want uh typically it is rye or wheat uh or and then some amount of malted barley um 
in various combinations. Uh, yeah. The, but what has happened, right, is because of all that popularity, these distilleries are expanding like crazy. Andrew, they have these houses, Michael as well, they have these places where they store these barrels. They call them Rick houses. They're like seven stories high. They hold uh, like a hundred barrels a floor or more probably. I'm just making a number up. And each barrel is like 50 plus gallons. <laughs> Ooh. And they have 20 of these warehouses. And then they're like, and over there on that plot of land, we're building 20 more. And then when those are finished, we have another acre over here where we're building 45. How are they getting enough? Um, because wood. everything has to wait 10 years or 40 no, no, but years. How, how whatever, are they getting right? enough wood for this? Because all the wood that bourbon is made with is usually made with oak from France. Uh, uh, no, it's not. It's almost all exclusively made with white oak from various places in the U.S. Oh, okay. So they've sourced it here now. I don't think they're sourcing it from France. Uh, all the cooperages and the places that they talk to are all making their barrels here. Nice. Uh, another requirement in order for it to be bourbon is it must be in a new barrel. Yes, which is why right. the Scots buy all our old barrels. And they talked about that a lot. Not not just the Scots. They're like, we sell two breweries. We sell two other distilleries we sell to the, well yeah well uh, i like, think it was like, anyone who wants them you want a barrel come talk to us we'll get you a barrel i like, think it was like, like 15 years ago they started to outproduce what scotland wanted for barrels and they were trying to find places for them to go yeah every distillery we went to was like you guys want barrels you come talk to us we can hook you guys up with barrels it's like not that hard <laughs> to get them you know and like they're like even you know the bigger places are like we have rankings of customers. Yeah, it's like the guys making scotch, they're up at the top. They get the good ones. They get their pick. Did they want Pappy Van Winkle barrels? We'll give it to them, right? Like the lower ones, it's like, oh, like Napa Valley, like just wineries, beer making places. Like we're going to help these guys out because they're in our industry. It's like guys who want to make flower pots. All right, they're way down on the list, but we're not, we're not turning them away. <laughs> like we're yeah. definitely taking the calls. You've still got enough barrels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like the, the amount of expansion going on in that industry is insane. And like you just think about the money tied up, right? It's like that barrel has 50 plus gallons in it, but you have to age it at least four years in order to qualify again to be bourbon. And by that time, you've lost 40% of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's how the share works. And that's in like four years. Well, if you go 10 years, 20 years. Mm -hmm. Those things are like 10% full when you open them. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, I've oh been my to God. a, <laughs> I've been to a whiskey distillery in Scotland with like 15 year barrels. And you look in there and you're like, Oh, it's so empty. how much have you, how much have you taken out? And they're like, nothing. That's what it is. It does it on its own. And we, we opened this today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's bonkers. And the like amount of, product just sitting around because they can't do anything uh is is really wild um yeah so we uh do you have guys have questions i don't know what to talk about i can talk about so many things there's like i learned so much as part of this trip i was mostly curious to know about the industry and how they were going to try and expand without over expanding like beer did i didn't know if the, anybody talked about like yeah yeah the demand is way up and oh no the speculation's not going to end it's not a bubble 
you know, I mean, I was just because we were talking about Blanton's, I was like, oh, I wonder what people are charging for Blanton's. I'm pretty sure I got my Blanton's bottle for like 70 something dollars plus tax. And now they're over 200 if you want to find yeah. one. Yeah. That so that seems the, unsustainable. So the thing is, is that because of, again, like that angel share stuff and the amount that and the volumes that are produced, it's like hard to find that whiskey now. Like just it, you can't get it. And the guy at specifically at Buffalo Trace who makes Blanton's and a bunch of the other stuff we mentioned um, sure. was like, you know, look, I don't advocate you guys buying that marked up stuff. That's not what we price it at. Uh-huh. We don't think it should be sold at those prices. But realistically, if you want to drink this stuff other than here on this tour, where we're giving you samples of some of it. Right. Uh-huh. You just can't get it like that's just how it is. Like if you want a bottle of of uh, Larue Weller, which is also made by them, um, find a bottle online and pay hundreds of dollars, or you're out. Yeah, right? but it, yeah. you know, there, this happened in brewing before their little collapse that has happened this year. Um, not, it's not a major collapse, but a lot of brewers are are struggling um, with yeah. production volume being too high now. But they had to go through this process of like, well, a lot of people can't get our beers, so they instill they created like local sales systems and all that sort of stuff. Um I mean I can't find I mean I it's crazy that it's that you could still get like sixteen year scotches for cheaper than you can get a three or uh, four year bourbon. I mean uh- well, to be clear, like there's lots of four-year bourbon you can buy. Uh, Evan Williams is there on that shelf, and sure. it's uh, it's made in America, uh, family-owned, no like large corporation behind them. Uh, and honestly, not that bad. Um, you know, and it's twenty dollars a bottle for a handle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but hey, uh, you know what? Ta- and say whatever you want about Evan Williams, man. That uh, that stuff is not that bad, and they make good product uh, above the like regular barrel. Um, price you know so mm-hmm. um you know elijah craig is them and that stuff is pretty good old forester is really right. good. old forester is really good if you guys can find it um no you can't <laughs> but I, again i'm just saying like you know they make great stuff so you know don't don't knock on it but the the thing is is that i think the issue is all of the explosion and the is going to get delayed right uh, a lot, and the thing that these distilleries are doing, which they the beer industry couldn't do or did do, is that the distilleries, because distilling is hard comparative to making beer, uh, is they are working for and contracting out their production. So a lot of these buildings that they're doing is like, you know, Buffalo Trace Distillery makes risky for other people. Bardstown Distilling Company makes and produces all the whiskey for, for instance, High West, and then also a bunch of other partners who they cannot name, mm-hmm. as well as then their own stuff. So, you know, it's a, they're building capacity, but they're not necessarily building, you know, they're not producing the spirit today. And even if they did, it would be minimum four years, much likely longer before that spirit could hit the market. Like, will we see a glut of 10 year bourbons in 10 years? Unlikely, I don't know. Maybe. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not, unlikely right? because you could just be like, well, 
it's really not moving anymore. So make it a 15 and a 20 and a. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and you know, <laughs> stuff happens like a warehouse gets hit by a tornado. <laughs> no. Did that happen on, uh, to one of the places you went? Uh, yeah. Buffalo trace had a, one of their warehouses had the roof ripped off by a tornado and they were like, well, shit, all the, all the, all the booze in here is bad. It was exposed to the weather for months and months. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, those barrels are highly sought after of the whiskey from there because it turned out to actually be quite good. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they're, they're like labeled as tornado survivor, like barrel bottles and stuff for like single barrels and stuff that they made out of them. And, and they can uh, legally all, sell that because it's not. It, I mean, look, they're not like it's, they're not like full, the barrels are watertight. You know, it's not like stuff is getting in there. Sure. But they figured the flavors were ruined and things. Um, but no, apparently, and people like them, apparently. Huh. Um, wow. So anyway, super interesting. Um, I highly recommend the uh, that area to folks who are interested in that stuff. Um, although you really need to figure out a way to make someone else drive. Uh, <laughs> if you're going highly, I mean, don't don't drink and drive people. That's insane. And there's so much whiskey and bourbon in those areas that you need to be on a bus or having a driver or something like that because it's I don't think the police mess around either. No. 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 Yeah. Everywhere you went, there are cops. Um, Every parking lot, there are cops. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. Uh, Although I I did note that some of the uh, distilleries are quite nice and the like designated drivers will be getting like free tours uh, and they'll do, you know, they'll do some nice stuff for those people. Now they're not giving you like free alcohol at the end of it though. No, because um, you're the designated driver. Well, like I've seen some well, places like where they will give home. them like a take home bottle of something because you're doing the right thing. They're not doing that. Oh. Um, but you know, at least, Hey, at least you don't have to pay for the designated driver to go on the tour and the tasting when they don't yeah. get the tasting. Cause they know, look, the tour is cool and all, but like, you know what you're here for. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That's not what the money's um, for. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting, though. And, like, I don't think I knew this, and maybe you didn't either. You know, they, they store those barrels for, you know, so many years in these big warehouses. Uh, they don't, like, move them or rotate them or anything. They just oh, sit there. Not like French, uh, not like uh, wine bottles, huh? Or wine barrels. Nope. I was shocked. It's like they don't, there's no science applied to that. If you're at the top floor... Man, that really sucks. It's going to be hot up there. You're going to evaporate more. You're in the bottom. Ah, cold. Going to be, you know, not as not as much movement in that barrel. Different taste because of that. Facing northwest, you get all the sun. Darn, that really sucks for you. They just like, what? <laughs> like they know, you know, they know that these things make differences, but they don't attempt to even it out at all. They're well, just like, ah, they these do, ones do this they, and these ones do this. And then they, they blend do later. even out, though. In the long run, a lot of that is blended together. Yeah, so they do do it, and then they just, like, blend it at the end, right? To, like, get the taste they want. The flavor of Evan Williams or Buffalo Trace or, uh, you know, all these other places. Is that whole warehouse. Well, no, it's not that whole warehouse. It's, like, those seven warehouses and different barrels from each one. (laughs) And, you know, it's it's an impressive situation, man. It's it's really The big ones are, like, a really interesting tour just because of how big they are. Um, and I will say, um, if you, folks go to Louisville, Kentucky, there's also uh, a bunch of these like urban bourbon trail places where there's like little micro distilleries in Louisville itself. Urban and then bourbon? all the big, yes, as opposed to the like actual bourbon trail uh, where there's Out a bunch the of boonies. distilleries on it. 
where it require you to drive for like 45 minutes between each of these places. It's a bourbon bourbon. Um, yeah. Uh, but they have like some of these places in town have like built up like huge experience tasting room stuff. And it's like you go on a tour. It's like Las Vegas, man. You go and you watch a movie. You get to take a little walk. They have a little micro distillery in the building. You get to taste a little bourbon there. You get to walk and they show you the history of the company. And like there's a gift shop and it's pretty impressive. It's like pretty fun, honestly. And then it's like, oh, by the way, this is like this was brewed here in this building. It's not for sale anywhere else. So if you have tried this one and you like it, this is the only place we sell it. We sell it nowhere else. Wow, good business. Yeah, JJ, I'll I'll hit you with with a a quick question. Sure, give me give me three of your favorite things that you tasted. Bang! Ah, good question. So let's see. Gosh, uh, in terms of actual taste, I think it because like the coolest and then the best tasting are maybe different rankings. Uh, oh sure yeah that makes sense because there was a lot of whiskeys in in scotland it was like this was made in this type of barrel and you're like that's a strange flavor i liked trying that but i'm not gonna buy it right i definitely tasted several of those where you're like man this is awesome for people that like this it's not me though um i'll go from uh three to one here several of my my favorite ones uh i tasted a weller eight year uh and that is called by some people Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely not it um but it is i think it's larue weller something like that anyway uh they call these the uh baby pappies because they are bottles that basically were like if they had stayed in the barrel for maybe two more years they might have become a pappy van winkle okay Uh, but they did not because buffalo trace took them out of eight years instead of ten hmm okay Made by the same people there, um, but like a really, really wonderful taste. And it's weeded, I guess, um, not rye bourbon. Uh, so no. it was that was a great taste there. Um, I'm sure the secret's out on that one, and those are $190. Yeah, not you can't find those. They're, they're yeah, expensive. Yeah, no. Everything is expensive. <laughs> um, another one that we tasted that was not expensive um, – I haven't seen it out here yet, but I saw uh, it was all over and available in Kentucky is Bardstown Fusion. Um, Bardstown Distilling is a new, very modern, really cool uh, distillery there that, uh, like I talked about, makes all the bourbon now for High West, um, among a bunch of other places. Um, but they like in, you know, it's a very interesting dichotomy between some of these older distilleries that have been around since like the 1800s. And these new modern ones where they're like, we have science. Uh, we don't do this sour mash thing where we like reserve part of the mash back to like keep the flavors and the grains and all that stuff. No, we trust the computers and the science that tells us these percentages and the grain counters that say exactly how many grains we have in here. We're just going to get the same result by doing the same thing the next time. Right. And they're like, you know, we have all these uh like computerized things and the the vats are all done in such a way that we can make like 50 different mash bills in one place without causing you know problems whereas some of these distilleries are like we've been making one mash bill in this this like distill for 50 years we're never going to change it right sure uh interesting dichotomy there anyway uh bardstown fusion i think that it's fusion number seven is the one that we bought uh, it's been their like blended whiskey series. 
and I really, really liked that. It was really like had a really interesting flavor profile, but also very smooth. Um, yeah, really great bourbon there. Bard's Total um, Wine Fusion is a Total Wine tells me I can walk yep. across the street and get a bottle. Yep. Yeah, it's not. Bard's Town it's not right here. It's it's not hard to find. Um, I think it was like sixty or seventy dollars or eight eighty dollars maybe there from the distillery. I don't remember how much it was. Uh, also, other weeded whiskeys that you would know include Maker's Mark. Uh, we did not go to Maker's Mark, but I uh, have been known to enjoy Maker's Mark in my life. So it makes sense that you liked another weeded whiskey. Yeah. Uh, I also like rye, uh, rye the spirit, not rye whiskey, although mm-hmm. I do also like some rye whiskeys. Um, so, you know, I, the I have an eclectic taste, but I think far and away, the both A, the coolest thing we did and the coolest thing I tasted was cask strength from oh a tiny little distillery called Three Boys Farm. And it's like in a barn. <laughs> they have like, yeah. uh, they have a they have a warehouse offsite, um, but like they have like two stills and two giant pots and a dog, <laughs> like, <laughs> um. But their whole thing is that they you get to do barrel tastings, and they open three different barrels with different proofs and different mash bills, and it's all written out. And you can see the the stuff there, and they will give you a taste from each barrel. And then you can buy it and bottle it yourself. That's that cool. was cool. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, and they give you this big, long, like effectively a, a straw. They call it a whiskey thief. Uh, and you, you know, you put it down in there, and you put your finger on the top to close the hole. You know, after it fills up. Yeah, and like you when pull you were it 10. out. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. And you pull it out, except this way bigger and copper right <laughs> um and you pull it out and then you you know have your little bottle there and you try not to spill it <laughs> as you fill the thing up because it's big like this thing is like a two or three feet long um because you got to be able to get down into the barrel you know right uh, and then as a result of all this that you're pulling it straight from the barrel where they were aging it uh there's like little charcoal flakes floating around in there and all that kind of stuff because hey it, that's what's in the barrel um, do they uh, filter it for you, or is that what you get, bro? Unfiltered cask That's... strength. It's real. Well, cask um, strength can be filtered. You could do the filtering, yeah. Uh, but th- look, this place has like a dog. <laughs> you know, they're not like <laughs> they're not really doing filtering. Uh, also, like the charcoal doesn't hurt anything, and it doesn't like oh. affect the flavor of the the whiskey any. Like to be fully transparent for people who don't know. All those barrels are full of charcoal on the inside anyway, because that's how they get the color and the flavor into the wood, which then makes it into the whiskey. When the whiskey comes out of the still, it's like white, like clear. It looks like vodka. All the color comes from the barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and that, a good, that, that's a good uh, set of knowledge for people who didn't know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So the, as the, the tour guides told us, like 80% of the flavor and 100% of the color comes from the barrels. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. At it, that, hold on. Mm-hmm. At places that are good distilleries, there are less reputable places that will colorize it with uh, chemicals. Oh, sure. But it, it can't be called bourbon then. Sure. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Uh, the, Other the, whiskeys may, may yes, be absolutely. colorized. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Anything called a whiskey... Uh, just has to use this process. It doesn't have to follow the strict rules of becoming a bourbon. Um, 
but yeah, if you see something that says bourbon, you can be sure there's nothing added because you cannot add things to bourbon, uh, other than, you know, what's in the, the mash. So, yeah. Uh, and that, that whole process was super cool. We got to bottle our own thing, uh, and then take it home. And you know what, uh, for folks out there who have ever been, uh, you know, people like, oh, people like to drink their whiskey neat and they really want to get all the flavors, but I can't do it because the spirits are so high and it like burns my throat and stuff. Put water in um, it. Put water in it, man. It's cool. Yeah. No one cares. Everything. If the people make fun of you for putting ice or water in your whiskey, they are dumb because <laughs> those those change the flavor and are make really interesting, different tastes in your mouth when you put just even... You know, if you have a tiny little thimble of whiskey and you add a couple drops of water to it, completely new thing. You're testing something completely else. If you go to a whiskey bar in Scotland, they're on all over the bars. There are little uh, pitchers of water for you to drop water into your whiskey. Yeah, it's very normal. And I think uh, people who are making high class stuff like encourage you to do that and no one will scoff at you. Um, so don't be afraid. And like with the cask strength stuff, you may, you may really want to do this. <laughs> it's, you know, it's 115 proof. Um, man, you're really like, I could use some water now. Um, <laughs> yeah. yep. it, and to be, to be fair, uh, also, uh, they taught us how to drink it. And I don't know if this is something you guys are aware of. It may be something you do unconsciously without realizing, um, Drinking whiskey, we learned this at a moonshine tasting, um, although moonshine is like, okay, so people in Kentucky get weird when you talk about moonshine because it has an illegal connotation, right? Mm-hmm. Whiskey that's made legally, they will never call moonshine, even if you get it before it goes into the barrels when it's that like white like white dog or white lightning, they call it. Um, but because it was made legally, it's not moonshine. <laughs> so... Don't make people mad. Uh, but what gets called moonshine out of the stores or things like that, right? Uh, where it's like cask strength, really, really strong, high, high proof stuff. When you when you want to taste that stuff to actually get flavors as opposed to just burning alcohol, you want to breathe in with your nose to smell, like bring it up to your lips, breathe in through your nose to smell it, then take your sip and then breathe out. I, I learned this years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it makes drinking things like, uh, you know, super high proof whiskeys, cask strength stuff, moonshine like that. It makes it tolerable. Yeah. It was <laughs> a tequila trick that I heard. And you will not, uh, it won't get rid of the, for stuff that's really high proof like that. It's not going to get rid of the alcohol burn down your throat or, uh, as one of our two guys called it, that old Kentucky hug. <laughs> uh, you get that Kentucky hug coming down your throat feeling oh, there. Making you all warm inside. Um, by the way, that's like a thing. All of them, all of them say that. It's not like I just made that up. All those people back there say that. <laughs> uh, but that it won't get rid of that. But it will allow you on the tongue to taste other flavors, so that you don't just taste. Oh God, burning alcohol! Right. If you do it the wrong way, you will notice immediately when you're like, like "Oh, I just taste alcohol!" <laughs> like, yeah, because you're just basically inhaling all the fumes off the top. Yes, exactly. So yeah, really, really fun. I uh, had a great time. Uh, I learned the amount you're allowed to carry back in a carry-on is five liters. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. oh, sorry, not a carry-on. Uh, check belt, check luggage. Okay. <laughs> not going to let you take so that. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of liquid for... 
five liters of <laughs> I just walk through the airport. Walk through the airport with my seven bottles of uh yeah, no. Uh in check luggage. Um we did not exceed that limit, so no worries. Nice. Uh yeah. well since we're talking about companies that are doing gangbusters, should we switch it up and talk about two companies that are not doing gangbusters for the last yeah, few minutes here? Fair. Uh, did you guys know who Eagle Moss is? They make no. the Hero something, Hero series or something like that. They had the license for basically every science fiction show, television, movie, etc. to make ships, like uh, model ships, little die cast ships and stuff like that of uh, like Star Trek and Star, not Star Wars, but uh, Battlestar Galactica, Alien, all those companies, right? Hmm. They they okay. licensed all these things to make variations and sizes and all sorts of model ships. Uh, basically, the only people out there doing it, uh, they have entered bankruptcy. Sad. Yeah. Like. I mean, I'm staring at, I have a gigantic Battlestar Galactica, about the size of my forearm from them. Um, and uh, it wasn't, that's it's a little bit of sad news. There's a there's the lead designer there is trying to save the company. Uh, he may be able to do it. We'll see. Uh, but it's not the only sad news. I think we should talk about EVGA. As I want to know your guys' opinions after having watched the Gamers Nexus video. But first, I want to say that I personally respect Gamers Nexus. I feel like they have made a point recently of saying that they want to be up to a journalistic standard that is beyond maybe what you would find on YouTube in general and beyond that. <laughs> uh, but this is an odd story and delivered in an odd way. So that's where I was going to start with it is I was very surprised at the choice by a company to let a third party break the news of something like this, that they are, you know, pulling away from 80% of their, their business for, um, ostensibly moral reasons. And so I wasn't clear. And not Did only gamers Nexus break the news. Gamers Nexus a broke the news. B was under NDA not to break the news. And C were the only outlet invited to hear this information in secret in a locked room. Okay, that was the part I didn't know if there were other outlets that also had it that were sitting on it until the story had gone up. As but far as I was... understand it, they were the only ones there. Wow, crazy. It smacks of strangeness to me. Not maybe on their part. Obviously, they were invited. Uh, but to accept sure. an NDA about something like that is very strange. Well, I think you don't get to do the story if you don't. Right. Until the company is ready. Like, because otherwise, like, you publish the story and their stock drops 10,000% that day or whatever. Oh, they're a private right? company. Um, like, the point still stands, though. Like, the company needs to be ready for a story like that to come out. It's like they're going to get 10,000 calls from people being like, you're canceling my video card or whatever, when they're like, no, it's fine. We have a plan, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I agree with you that the story is weird and the way it was delivered was also weird. And I think Steve, the, the Gamers Nexus guy, even says in the video, like, we had a lot of trouble writing this script, and it shows, I think. 
I think it shows um, it's unfortunate to me. And I, I, again, want to reiterate that I respect them quite a bit. They're they're. I mean, we've sent people to them and I would still continue to send people to them. I think they have very high level of integrity, but it's very odd that they start the video by basically assuring everyone of everything the company says before ending the video, second guessing the company. Um, yeah. It's odd to, to say, here's the news. And the news is, and I guess we should say it, EVGA, the video card maker, has decided, because they are privately owned by the guy that founded them, that they are not well treated as a partner to NVIDIA and therefore are walking away from their video card business entirely. Yep. No Intel, Um, no nothing. Yeah. They're not going to go with Intel or AMD. They're just like, we're out of video cards, which to be fair, they weren't making Intel or AMD video cards. No, currently either. They were only making NVIDIA stuff, but retooling machines you already have is difficult, but not uh, backbreaking. Much as sure. giving up eighty percent of your revenue might be, yeah, and you know, <laughs> you say EVGA maker of video cards. Well, EVGA now maker of power supplies. Power supplies, yeah. Power supplies that are make. what third or fourth best in the industry. Yeah, I think Corsair uh, is marked as number one by a long shot. Certainly in terms of sales. Yeah, certainly in terms of sales. Right. I mean, quality well. wise, even too. I think they they've been. I've, noted highly i think the crazy thing in this whole story is that like the ceo is just so straightforward about the whole thing he's like i didn't want to do this anymore i thought we were being treated badly i'm not going to put up with it i quit like i quit doing this right well i'm not going like he's not straightforward about it entirely right if you watch the whole video and this is what the part that i think which i did been i want to be clear yeah 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 uh, if you, but if I'm telling other people, if they're interested in this story, watch the whole thing, because what should have been interspersed at the beginning is some of the stuff in the middle and some of the stuff at the end when they said that they asked him, okay, so are you retiring? Are you basically shutting down your business because you don't want to sell it to anyone or let it run without you? No. And then they can, they don't continue down the thread that later on, he says that doing all this stuff quickly after NVIDIA announces it. And this is probably why they wouldn't go with another company is because all the companies do this, right? They announce everything um, and then the companies can get to work building the cards uh, is too stressful and taking him away from his family too often. And it's like, well, that's that's called like semi-retirement then, you know, <laughs> you know, or I mean. Or he wants to have a better work-life balance, and that should be allowed to everyone, even CEOs who are the worst. Yeah, sure. But um, uh, and Steve does yeah, I mean, make the, this as a the good answer point. should be like you know if this is if this is his problem, which maybe it is, and maybe it's not. I don't know. But like if that's his problem, you know, you can like hire other people to do this job, and then you get to be the CEO, chairman emeritus or whatever make a bullshit position for yourself where you still get to vote right yeah. like and they they talk about that in the video yeah, too and all companies do that <laughs> like stepping back into an advisory role when someone else takes over yeah very clearly all, uh all the companies do that like yeah, yeah. very surprising yeah. i was happy i think to that hear. was the part that surprised me when they asked that and he was like no i was like well 
What? I assumed that's exactly what was happening. Or here. no, I think the part that surprises me even more than that is okay. So what's the plan to to expand your business? We're not expanding our business. How are you going to make more money? We're not going to make more money. How are you going to keep all the people? We're going to pay everyone. It's very clear that this is one of two things. It's a bluff. Or it is a snap decision that he says he's been thinking about for a long time that he hasn't. That is literally just like, no, we're done in this business. I have been slighted. And therefore, we will just be making this decision. And I damn the torpedoes and consequences. The feeling I got from this is like a a face thing, right? Like a – do you know that concept? I, be- when I'm I believe he is like losing uh, face? Taiwanese, the owner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he is one of – I don't want to say one of those, but like a – an Asian ethnicity that I don't know exactly off the top of my head. I believe he's Taiwanese. Um, he came from overseas to start the company and he started it. I, I'm 90% certain of that because Steve mentioned in the video that they started in Taiwan and that they have now laid off most right. of the people in Taiwan. Yes. Yeah. It's mostly a U.S. company at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, and most of their sales, I think, were U.S. also. Um, uh, yes. Very, very noted in in their company profile, which I looked at after this. And, it, you know, so I wonder if it's a case where he feels that, you know, he was slighted personally by someone in NVIDIA or, you know, and the CEO we're talking about or Andrew whatever. Han, by the way. Yeah. Um, the owner of yeah. EVGA, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where he feels he was slighted personally or whatever. And like, he doesn't need the money because he's a CEO. All CEOs are like fat or owner, right? He's fabulously wealthy and downsizing the company is preferable to taking the insult, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the feeling I get here. Mm-hmm. I, I know, I know nothing. <laughs> I don't want to be extremely clear. I have no knowledge. I watched a couple of videos on the internet. I know nothing. And, but that's the feeling I get from this because like, why else would you do this? You're just throwing money away. And like, he goes, Oh, they're not very profitable. Did you say that they're unprofitable, though? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. that's a different, right? It's a big difference to say, like, you don't make much money on them to say that you don't make any money. One of the big things he thought was disrespectful was that, you you know, you get access to the 3090s at the last second, and you're supposed to sell them first. And basically, NVIDIA sets the price and tells you to take a bath on them. Right, yeah. That part was... And it's like, well, then don't you know, just don't sell that many of them or what, you know, like there's ways around this within the system that they're trying to create. And it is possible that they're going to try and shoulder out. Uh, Steve does a good job in talking about NVIDIA's vision of the future and their CEO being probably pretty disrespectful person to work with. It sounds like, um, and I mean, it definitely sounds like NVIDIA feels that these people, you know, these companies that make these cards for them are like, replaceable cogs in a machine and they super don't care about them so it's probable that this is true right like yeah i i could see a future they're like cool great i I could definitely see a future where a company like gigabyte or whoever stays in this game ends up selling you parts for you to take apart your nvidia card and put their parts on it you know 
I mean, those parts already exist, right? Like companies do that now. Oh yeah, first you want to do wire cooling and all right. that sort of stuff. You do that, yeah. right? But like, I'm talking potatoes, about whole like, tooling yeah. being redone for people to just stop buying the cards from Nvidia. At yeah, major could companies, be, I don't know. You know, or maybe maybe it goes the other way, right? Where everyone buys the cards from Nvidia, and then you just buy like kits to disassemble Nvidia's thing on top and put your thing on top. That's that's right? what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I like I said, I that stuff exists now, but it's like small potatoes. Not many people are water cooling their video cards. No, and um, really, honestly, at this point in time, you don't need to. I I kind of believe personally, like, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I don't see my video card running hot. It's really my processor that I need more cooling for. The video card only runs hot when my room is hot. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, I'm with you. They're that. they're really really doing a good job cooling these things, and they use what four times as much power as they used to. And I think yeah. it's get it's getting worse. Like yeah. the next generation is going to be even even harder. Yeah, but the technology in them is is built for keeping them cool. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I I definitely watched that whole thing with my mouth open, thinking I can't believe someone would just detonate their company this way without it being some kind of bluff or an open invitation for someone to come in and buy out their part of the business, you know, like, Oh, we're just done with this. It's like, okay, well I'm AS rock and I don't have video guard card production. Maybe I want to go buy that factory. Mm -hmm. I think the, you know, there will always be someone looking to buy engineering talent and looking to buy parts. You know, this stuff is still, despite all of this, in demand, right? So, you know, really, you really feel bad for the people who are like GPU cooling designers working at this company. And they're like, we're getting out of the, the GPU business. This guy's like... What do I do? <laughs> I have no job. Yeah. You know, like that's the part that really sucks. You know, people that were like, oh, I am a person who designs video card housings or I'm a person who helps market and sell video cards. Like, okay, I could market and sell power supplies, but we're not so many. And there's a lot of people here that do this job. Hmm. Yeah, there's already <laughs> right? like, a designer of the power supply. You don't know the technology as well as that guy because you've been working on video cards. I mean, that guy exactly who's working on video cards, he, he makes that point in the video. You could maybe, maybe Andrew Hahn will sit there and pay him for, what, three months before he finally decides he can't pay him anymore? A cross train or something, sure, for a but little even bit until then, they're not as not good as the him. other person that was right. already there. Yeah, so you're going to shop right now, starting now. All those people are quitting. Yep. I, I don't know that they are, but they, they are if they're not, haven't announced it yet. They've already made phone calls or gotten phone calls, you know? Yeah, totally. Again, yeah. Someone at AS Rock or somebody who doesn't make video cards has already called and said, Look, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, engineering talent of any kind is hard to find, especially good yeah. and senior yeah. level. So companies will come calling. For sure. Yeah. What a bizarre and, and horrible story. And and delivered in a very... Uh, the, the thing about it being about the ego, right? Han's ego definitely seems confirmed by him 
going and being like, call these people and we're going to tell them behind closed doors and they'll get our message out in a way that's fair. Right. And like, did he not expect them to try and find, I mean, Steve didn't do a great job debunking anything that the guy said or trying to find stuff from the other side, but he did say that NVIDIA wouldn't return his call. So it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah. Right. I mean, what are you supposed to do? But he did have five weeks, I guess, to try and make a story out of it. Um, I, w- you know, they may not have the access they need in order to get. Right, that's that's the point. If the other, if the other side just plays all the cards out their chest, what are you supposed to do? Right, yeah. they won't show you anything. Yeah, and they have, and Nvidia has no responsibility to do anything about this. Right, they're like, no, are not our business. Cool. Yeah. See you. Okay. See you later. I, I mean, as bluffs go, it's a bad one because if I'm Nvidia, I just say someone will buy their allocation. Who cares? Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what NVIDIA is saying. And I'm sure there no one in NVIDIA is losing any sleep over this whatsoever. Yeah. Which is an even more bizarre realization for like you've you've detonated your company. For no reason, for for no gain other than pride. It's amazing. I don't know what they do in a year in business, but it's enough. It's not nothing. No, I mean, these video cards are expensive. It can't be. Uh, yeah, so annual revenue estimate for 22 was $78 million. That's not profit, but, I mean, the company's profitable. It wouldn't have lasted this long if it's not, because it's not publicly traded. Yeah, right. So, my God, take away 80% of that? What are you at? 80 million times 0.2, 16 million? <laughs> okay think of the poor ceo he might have to sell back his other yacht oh yeah i'm sure he's in for a much more grounded retirement of only three homes instead of six yeah yeah he might he might have to take a gold parachute instead of a platinum one what color is his parachute michael say what now that's a that's a book reference. What color is your parachute? There you have it. If you've read that book, where should you email us? You could send that to podcast at wewergamers.com. We'd love to hear uh, your questions and your information about this book, which I don't know the title of because Adrian what? didn't actually say it. I did. So that what is color is your parachute? Oh, is okay. I didn't know that, that was actually that. I thought it was just a quote from the book. I'm like, what no, book no, is no. no. Tell me what the color is your parachute? I think it was by... Uh, Bowls. I'll look it up. You go. Nah, you don't need to look it I up. Think that's right. Richard. Folks can e- folks can email in with the title and the name. Uh, <laughs> podcast at wewergamers.com. We're also on social media. Find us uh, at wewergamers, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those places. Uh, the videos that have been going up lately have been really choice. People should be checking those out. They are very good. Yeah, I think last week I left off the uh, the audio visualizer just because of the render time i needed to get it up it was a little bit late last week was fun though um we had ken on we We had a very good time we rambled for quite a while but we were having a great time i saw the length was quite long (laughs) (laughs) yeah well there's a lot to talk about about how nothing makes sense sometimes
Hey, uh, I I actually know for a fact this is our outro. Then you've got to go. But there are people in Puerto Rico that listen to our podcast, and uh, I know they may not listen to this for a while, considering the current situation there without power, etc. Again, stay safe and do your best. <laughs> your best to take care of each other. It's not a good spot to be in. Twenty five inches of rain. Yeah, it's frightening. It's terrifying. I can't imagine what it's like to try and protect your family from the sky. Stay safe out there, folks. Stay safe. Everybody stay safe. But thoughts to to those people. 